The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zinn 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. It's Dexcom. With the new Dexcom G7, you get better diabetes results without those awful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or to your watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affect your glucose. It makes it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's so easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on Sirius XM Triumph, Channel 132. The 13-year-old monument boy disappeared while on a court-ordered visit to his father's house over the Thanksgiving holiday 2012. I didn't lose Dylan. Then why is he gone? That's a question we all have to ask, but nobody's got the answer. No, you have to ask that question. You had him. Where is he? Dylan's remains were found several months after he disappeared, just about 10 miles from his father's home. Mark Redwine had long been considered a person of interest in this case, but he suggested his ex-wife Elaine had something to do with it. I have suspicions that could be involved in this. Mark Redwine is in custody and will face charges in the death of his son, Dylan. Dylan's blood was found in multiple locations of Mark Redwine's living room. Some say this is a shocker, but others say this has been a long time coming. Oh, it was a custody battle royale. Let me tell you, the boy did not want to go visit his dad. He did not want to go. But you know what? Cooler heads prevailed and he went to go visit his dad. Now, he went to spend the night, and the following morning, Dad gets up to go run errands, you know, laundry and so forth, comes back. Dylan, his little boy, is gone. He thinks he's gone 
skateboarding or hanging out with his friends up and down the street. Finally, he says his son is missing and a search like no other ensues. I am referring to a beautiful, beautiful little boy, Dylan Redwine. Dylan was not missing. Dylan was murdered. I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. And today, a major break in a case that has baffled investigators and police ever since Dylan went missing. And with me is a woman I respect deeply and have thought of, have prayed for, for so long. Dylan's mother, Elaine Hall, is with me. Also with me, my friend and colleague, director of the Cold Case Institute, Cheryl McCollum. Today, we report major news. There is a break in the Dylan Redwine case, and that is an arrest. Elaine, do you remember the moment that you learned Dylan was missing? Yeah, it's it's probably one of the most relived moments in my head of all time. What happened? Um, well, Dylan was went on a plane ride to his father's house on Sunday. And the next day at 4.30, around 4.30, Mark texted me and asked me if I'd seen Dylan. And I said no. And he said, well, you know, he didn't know where he was. So I got in my car and we drove to Durango, which is about six hours away from where we're living. And I called the sheriff and filed a missing persons report for Dylan because his dad had not done that. Okay, I, I I don't understand this, okay, because I can't even imagine what would go through my mind if my child is supposed to be somewhere and that person calls and said, hey, have you seen Lucy? What? She's with you. So what, what did you think when you got the text? Have you seen Dylan? Well, obviously I was very concerned because, you know, Dylan was not the kind of kid who would just wander off or you know, leave without at least letting me or his brother Corey know. Um, We were very close to him. And so when Mark had indicated that he had not heard from Dylan and I had not heard from Dylan, I I was very, very, obviously very upset and concerned about, you know, where's my baby? Where is he? And he was 13 years old and he had his own phone. So, you know, he knew knew enough to call us if he felt you know, that he was in danger or anything. I'm just trying to take this in. Dylan did not want to go to visit his dad that weekend. Why? Um, Dylan and his dad had just grown apart. Mark never really exercised his visitation rights. And so, you know, he didn't see Dylan that often. And, you know, quite honestly, I, I don't think that Mark knew Dylan anymore. I think that, you know, they had spent so much time apart that they, their relationship was strange because, you know, they just didn't spend a lot of time together. And the time that they did spend together was, you know, sitting in Mark's house up in the mountains. And, you know, that was not fun for Dylan. Dylan was 13. He didn't want to just sit around and watch his father drink all day. So, you know, I, I just think that Mark really had no clue who Dylan was at this point in his life. Did Dylan ask you not to go? Yes, he did. 
he asked me many times. As a matter of fact, on the he was supposed to fly out of Colorado Springs on Saturday, and the plane had malfunctioned, so he couldn't fly out. He said, Mom, maybe that's a sign that I shouldn't go. And, you know, unfortunately, I put him on the plane on Sunday, and that was the last time I saw my son. You know, it's funny that you say that, Elaine. Cheryl McCollum, director of the Cold Case Institute, I um, remember my dad had been feeling bad, but he that had happened so many times because he was a heart patient, as you know. And I had arranged to take the children ice skating up at Rockefeller Center. And he had been in the hospital to get fluid from around his heart. I remember I called my mom from the airport, and I said, Mom, are you sure he's stable? Is he okay? Can we be gone for 48 hours? And she said, yes, this is like every other time, go. And right before we got on the plane, I said, David, I don't think we should go. I think, I just, he goes, you've been through this. You've gone round and round. We're getting on the plane. We've got one foot on the plane. Go ahead and go. We got on. Mm -hmm. I got to New York. I got us all unpacked. The children bathed in their PJs. I got a call from my mom that they're putting my dad on life support. And I spoke to him very briefly on the phone. I packed us up. We got on a plane, turned right around. We got to the hospital at 5 a.m., but he never could speak to me again. And you know that feeling? You look back on it, Elaine, and it's like the universe is trying to tell you something. But how were we to know? How were you to know, Elaine? Yeah, yeah. you just don't. You don't. When you, you got, just have to trust, you know, that everything would be okay. When you got that text, did you call Mark? Um, no, I didn't. I immediately started calling Dylan's phone, and then I immediately called all my friends in the area. Um, quite honestly, I, I, M- Mark never tells the truth, and when Dylan was missing, I didn't think he was going to be very helpful. I mean, obviously, he didn't know where Dylan was, and he hadn't contacted the sheriff's department at that point, so... I started contacting all the people that I knew so that they could actually go out and look for him because, you know, Mark certainly wasn't doing anything to find him. And, and he didn't the whole time that Dylan was missing. So I, uh, I just took, I t- took it upon myself and, and just found other avenues to try and resolve this. What was Mark's story as to where Dylan went? How did the evening progress? Well, we finally got to the... Um, to Bayfield, which is about an hour, 45 minutes away from where Mark lives. And I immediately went into the sheriff's office. Um, It was like one o'clock in the morning. Um, And then the next day went to the search and rescue um, and then dealt with investigators who were, you know, worthless. Everyone with me is Dylan Redwine's mother who has never given up in the search for the truth about where was her son, Dylan Redwine. Absolutely beautiful. If you could see his little face right now. He has blue eyes, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And kind of a brown, blondish, more blonde than brown hair. And the, the sweetest smile the sweetest smile. He has a smile like my son, John David's. And I'm just imagining you, you get to town and where do you, where do you even start? I remember asking the same question of Natalie Holloway's mother, fly down to Aruba, you touch down. What do you do? I mean, you don't know where your baby is. What do you do 
first. I mean, when you walked in to the search office, what did you do, Elaine? Well, you know, we we sat there for a couple of days because they were convinced that Dylan was running through the mountains. And, you know, I was convinced that that was not true. Um, you sat there for a couple of days they were, and they said it was running through the mountains. Why would they think yes, that about a little boy? Because there was a jogger that was running through the mountains and, you know, they, they kept thinking that Dylan was a runaway and that he was running away from his dad. And, oh, no. You know, I no. knew all along that that was not true because if that was the case, he would have called us. Oh. You know, he wouldn't just run through the mountains without letting me or Corey know. And Corey and I both knew that. And Corey is Dylan's half-brother. Cheryl McCollum, director of the Cold Case Institute, right there. That was the first big mistake, <laughs> right there. It's a huge mistake, Nancy. But here's the other thing. Let's go back even further. She gets notified that her child is missing through a text message. What? He doesn't call her. He doesn't call 911 himself. That, to me, is the biggest flag right there, that he has guilty knowledge of what happened to that child right off the bat. Elaine, of course, does the right thing. She immediately goes to that place where she believes her baby was still there, possibly in the mountains, possible somewhere. But here's the most important thing, Nancy. She knew. She knew something was terribly wrong, and she did not waste one minute. I admire her for that. Oh, yes. Don't you know it, Cheryl? She got in that car, and she put the pedal to the metal and got on the scene and started working. I mean, how frustrating was it, Elaine Hall, when they're telling you, authorities are saying, oh, he's a runaway. Chillax. And you're saying, no, he is not a runaway. How, what was going through your mind? I mean, I feel like I'm going to jump out of my skin just talking about it. I, I, well, I did. I, I kept arguing with the investigator and, you know, kept telling him that that, that was not the case. And, you know, we, we basically played that game for about a week until I finally convinced them that, you know, this is not, Dylan is not a runaway. Um, and then we were fortunate enough to get a new investigator that actually cared and would do something. But I have never been so angry and infuriated at, at, at law enforcement in my entire life. And I seriously thought I was going to, you know, I, I thought I was just going to punch somebody because no one was listening to us. Very frustrating. Then what happened? Well, and then, you know, basically we just started combing the area. We, we just started driving up the mountains, start, you know, doing whatever we can. We did ground searches, organized a community who was, you know, wonderful in this case because people showed up in mass, you know, and this was around Thanksgiving. So a lot of people missed Thanksgiving holiday with their family. Um, to come search for Dylan. What about his cell phone? You mentioned he had his cell phone. Yeah. Did they find the cell phone? No, we still have never found his cell phone or his backpack. Did they ping it? Well, yeah, they did, but it was off, and it didn't. I was going to buy him a new phone for Christmas that year with the GPS. This phone did not have the GPS or, you know, that capability. It was an older phone. But the whole time we were searching, Mark is sitting in his, you know, easy chair. And I knew something was was really wrong at that point. 
You know, why aren't you searching for your son? What do you mean? Did you see him sitting in his easy chair? Yes, he's sitting in his easy chair while everybody else is searching for his son. Did you say anything to him? Not really. I mean, you know, I said a lot to him as far as, you know, where is my son? But Mark basically cut communication with me very early on and would not engage or talk to me at all. Did they search his house then for blood or evidence, anything? Yes, they did. The FBI went in there and um, they they did. They searched his house pretty thoroughly. But there have been many searches on his house um, throughout the whole process. What, if anything, did they... And I they... just think the investigators in the very beginning were just, they were worthless. They, they, it was just not working. What did they find when they searched his home? Um, I'm not sure specifically what they found. I know that, you know, there were blood traces. They took out parts of his floor. They took his couch. They took a washing machine. They, you know, I'm not 100% sure everything. You know, eventually they impounded his truck, which they still have to this day. Um, Elaine, let me ask you a question. When did you finally... Return back to your home. We returned back probably right before Christmas. So we were in Durango about a month living in a garage of a friend of ours. Oh, my stars. Living in a garage, going out every day trying to find your baby. Just like wandering. I can just imagine Cheryl McCollum just wandering the streets calling I mean, the police weren't really helping. They didn't believe he was gone. They thought he was a runaway. The dad's propped up having a beer on the easy chair. And there's the mom just wandering, looking for her son. I'm just, it's it's overwhelming to me to even imagine that. It is overwhelming, Nancy. And during this time when he's pushed, he's making these statements that people need to stop playing Nancy Drew and Nancy Grace. He's, he's telling the media people need to get the focus off of him and on to Dylan. Well, every single time he says things like that, that again should be a red flag to law enforcement. Why in the world would he want the focus off of him or anybody else? Any focus is good focus. Remember Elizabeth Smart when the police wanted DNA from her dad and all his brothers? They were more than willing to do that. He wouldn't take a polygraph. It reminds me of Mark Class when his daughter went missing. He practically laid on the courthouse steps saying, take my DNA, do whatever you want so you can get past me and look for my daughter. Amen. And, you know, when somebody says, I don't know why Nancy Grace is trying to find my son. She needs to leave it alone. I mean, right there, that's a big red flag. Okay. Well, here's my question for him. I don't know why the hell you're not. You had strangers searching that mountain for your children. You've got his mama living in a garage begging <coughs> for somebody to help, demanding the police do something. And again, you're locked back with a cold one? That's insane. But he did make one statement, Nancy. He said, Dylan, in my prayers with you, and I love you very much, he was the light of my life, and he meant everything to me. That man used past tense when that child was still missing. I do not know what more law enforcement could have needed to know he had knowledge of where that child was and what happened to him. Guys, before we go on to the arrest, a major break in the Dylan Redwine disappearance, I want to thank 
our partner that is making our program today here on Sirius XM 132 possible, where we break crime news, where we shine a light on missing people, particularly children, where we help solve unsolved homicides with you beside us. I want to thank our sponsor today. Are you hiring? Do you know where to post your job to find the very best candidates? Well, with ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites with one simple click. Then, their technology efficiently matches the right people to your job better than anybody else. And that is why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter does not depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. As a matter of fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. No juggling emails or calls to your office. You simply screen, rate, and manage candidates all in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, my listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. F-R-E-E. That's right, free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Nancy Grace. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Nancy Grace. One more time, to try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Nancy Grace. ZipRecruiter.com. Thank you. With me right now, breaking news in the Dylan Redwine search and disappearance. Cheryl McCollum, the very latest is that an arrest has been affected, and it is not for kidnapping. It's for homicide. What happened, Cheryl? Well, Nancy, they send cadaver dogs, as you know, and those dogs hit inside the house at the washing machine on the clothes that the father was wearing the day Dylan went missing. Um hit the back of his truck. and So law enforcement has been putting together these pieces of this puzzle and, you know, where the remains Wait, let me understand this. Cadaver dogs trying mm-hmm. to hit on the smell of decomposing tissue. Correct. Picked up the scent in various locations in Mark Redwine's home. Correct. On the clothes that he wore the night Dylan went missing. Mm-hmm. Not only that... Um, in the bed of Redwine's pickup truck. And inside the home. Whoa. And that corresponded with the blood evidence they found. It was on the sofa, under the rug, on the love seat. So again, those dogs obviously couldn't have known that. The dog handler couldn't have known that. But it lined up beautifully. Well, another thing, Cheryl, is that a year before that, investigators say Dylan's half-brother mm-hmm. told them Mark Redwine had mentioned, this is Dylan's own father, had mentioned Dylan had died of blunt force injuries. Elaine, did you know about that? I did not. Yes, a year before. He had told... And Nancy, there's there's another thing. What? The skull, when it was recovered, had injury consistent with a knife wound perimortal, which means that injury was done near or at death, it did not have time to even begin to heal. So again, why would the father say something before he would have ever had knowledge of it that again came true? 
you know, Elaine, what were you thinking? What went through your mind in the weeks and the days when you got back home? What were you thinking? I mean, to go into your home and no Dylan is there, no Dylan to take the school, no Dylan to pick up. What was going through your mind? You know, you just, you just exist. You know, there, the only thing going through my mind was finding my son. Um, you, you just learn to exist. I, I don't, I don't know it. You just learn to live. I, I, I can't, I can't even speak about what was going through my mind because I, I think I was just so numb to the whole situation that, you know, it was so unreal that this is actually happening to my baby. Um, and so we just, you know, we just kept going up to Durango and kept doing what we can as far as searches and, and, you know, just doing everything we could think of to try and get someone to help us so that we could, you know, find my son. When did you discover that a portion of Dylan's remains had been found? In June of 2013, my mother had passed away in May of 2013, and we organized a huge search in June, and it was at that time that uh, law enforcement found partial remains and that they could um, positively identify that it was Dylan. Do you remember when you got that call? Well, we were actually there. Um, what happened? In, in, in that area, and the investigator asked us about a shoe they had found, and it was Dylan's. And so, you know, I we kind of had an inkling that, that you know, we are, we are in, we're going to find Dylan, um, and he was not going to be alive. So... You know, it was just a total breakdown. It was a meltdown. But, you know, as as horrific as it is, it was like, you know, at least at least we found him. And he's not just, you know, lost anymore. At least we know, you know, it's, it's the most horrific experience ever. After you found the first remains... Then the Dylan's skull was found in a different location. Is that right? Yeah, it was about a mile and a half away from where the original remains were located. When you think about it, and of course, motive does not matter. The state doesn't have to prove motive. We don't have to go into Mark Redwine's head and figure out what was he thinking. You can't. What do you think went wrong, Elaine? What, you know, Dylan was 13, almost 14 years old, and he was, you know, he was finding his voice in the world. And I think that he was, you know, at a point where he was confronting his father about many bad choices that Mark had made regarding the kids. And I think Mark had a tendency to always lash out at Dylan about me and Corey. And I think Dylan just got tired of it. And so Dylan stood up for himself. And unfortunately, Mark doesn't have the sense or the, you know, maternal instinct that most of us have you know, that he would actually listen to Dylan. You know, he, I'm sure he became explosive and, and, um, you know, reacted. You know, I've thought about what may have happened to Dylan so many times. And, you know, since you and I first met, so to speak, and I just have a feeling that he didn't want to be there. He didn't want to leave you. 
He did not want to be there for the holiday. He wanted to come home. He did not want to be with his father. His father really didn't care about having him there. I think it was just to get back at you. And he said something like, I want to go home. I don't want to sit here. I want to go back to mom's. Yeah, I agree. And I imagine an explosion occurred and Dylan was dead. That That's the, the kindest scenario that I, I could imagine had happened. Yeah. When did you learn they finally, finally charged Mark Redwine? Um, we found out about one thirty in the morning. Um, on let's see, I guess it would have been Saturday evening, so on the twenty second of July in the early early morning. Um, I was notified that an arrest had been made in Washington. Cheryl, one thing I don't understand is why he's only charged with second-degree homicide. Why? Yeah, I think they're going to change that the closer they get to trial, Nancy. His past statements are going to come back to haunt him. He told people before the remains were ever found that they're going to have to find the skull to determine cause of death. Well, again, he had knowledge of what happened to this child, which to me shows premeditation. When that child makes his last text message at 9.37 at night, and then the next morning by 6.45, when his friend is texting him, there's no response. Something's already happened. But he doesn't notify anyone until 4 o'clock in the afternoon by text message. He didn't even call the police himself. Everything at that point was a cover-up. Now, this is where good police workers come in because some of the blood was found under a rug. And this has happened after his home had been remodeled because of a fire. And the great thing is those investigators ask him, has Dylan ever been harmed in your house where he would have bled? And he said, no, of course not. So they already took care of there should have been no blood from that child all over creation. And there was. Well, to me, it should be charged as murder in the first. Because if there was some kind of an accident... And Dylan was killed. Why not call 911? The fact that the body is in one place and the skull is in another place shows a great degree of deception. And activities after the fact can be taken into consideration in the charging and the verdict. Also, there's the issue of felony murder, which would be child abuse, i.e. a beating. Mm -hmm. And as a result, a death occurred. That is felony murder that is qualifiable for the death penalty in many jurisdictions. Um, I want to go back to Elaine, Dylan's mom. Elaine, people often say to me things like, well, it's been X, you know, you can fill in the blank, number of years. Why can't you get over it? Why can't you move on? They don't get it, Elaine. They don't get it. Well, it's probably because they've never suffered such a horrific loss before. I think that people are very naive to the situation, and, you know, they can't put, you you can't put yourself in in anyone's shoes when it comes to, you know, the murder of your child. Um, But I've heard that many times, and, you know, even my boss at the time was very, you know, at first they were very empathetic, but over time it just, you know, their patients were worn thin and I was not going to give up until, you know, there was some type of resolution for Dylan. 
When you say their patients wore thin, what, what happened? Um, I was just missing a lot of work, obviously, and it just came to the point where I felt that it was best for me to not be employed there anymore because I, I just couldn't, I couldn't deal with, you know, the innocuous comments and, you know, um, at one point, you know, they were wondering why I was still doing searches for my son when we knew he was dead. And Wait, did they actually say that? Um, yeah, in not so many words, yes, they did. What did you say back? I, you know, I just, I basically said, you know, it's, it's very important for me to, um, you know, find all of my son's remains. So I have, you know, something of him and, and, um, it was shortly thereafter that I, I left, I left that place of employment. Do you, have you ever felt like Dylan has tried to communicate with you? I think in many respects he he has, um, maybe not directly to me, but I think many of the things that have occurred over the last couple of years, Dylan had a hand in it. You know, it's like a, it's like he's the chess master and he's controlling everything because there have been some pretty major developments and some pretty major changes that have occurred that have kind of pushed this case along, and I think Dylan was instrumental in that. And when you say he had a hand in it, Give me an example. Well, you know, finding the skull, that was, you know, that was pretty major. That's actually what, you know, kind of um, sparked, you know, the fire again in law enforcement. And, and um, how was it? You know, found it was a couple of hikers. Oh, hikers. There were hikers that were hiking and they called law enforcement and said, you know, we think we found a human skull. And, you know, it, it, it was Dylan's. When you, Elaine, talk about Dylan now and you talk about his remains or you talk about his skull, what effect does that have on you? I mean, after our program is over and you go about your business, does talking about it bring it all back? Does it make it worse? Does it have any effect at all, or are you just numb? I think it's, it's you know, I think being numb is a part of it, but, you know, it it's unfortunately also a part of our lives, and we've just had to come to terms with it. I mean, I can't bring Dylan back. I wish I could. I would do anything to do that. But, you know, we, we still have to keep going, and we still have to keep fighting for him because he lost his voice, and so we have to be his voice. You know, it's it's the most horrific thing that, that we've ever experienced. And it's, you know, I don't think it's going to get any better anytime soon. And so, you know, we just have to keep on plugging on. I know that, you know, Dylan wants us to have, you know, closure and a resolution to this. Not that we'll ever have closure because he will still be dead. But, you know, we, 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 have, to, we have to be strong and just keep fighting for him. You know, Elaine Hall, you have just spoken to my heart and inspired me all over again to keep trying. Elaine, I've been thinking of you so much as these developments have happened so rapidly, and 
please know so many people think of you and hope for you and pray for you and Dylan as well. And I want to thank you for speaking with me today. Thank you, Nancy. I appreciate that. Okay, Cheryl, I let Elaine go. Cheryl, did that, she cannot hear us right now. Cheryl, did that break your heart? I mean, oh. Oh, my God. So horrible. It is so horrible. And I watched the doctor feel, and what struck me is she could not even bring herself to say, I think you killed him. All she could say is, I think you hurt him. She couldn't say anything Mm. worse than hurt. And I just, oh, my God. She knew. She knew. He's such a piece of shit, Nancy. He even said, I'll kill the kids. Cheryl, I swear to God in heaven, I would rip somebody's throat right out from under their chin if they touch the twins. And I don't care who it is. And when I hear this mom talking about, you know, we have to be his voice. Mm -hmm. Oh, dear Lord in heaven. It nearly, it just broke my heart. I know. Just to even hear it. You know. Yep. Oh. Okay, Cheryl. We got to just keep fighting. We just have to keep on, right? Amen. Every day. And now to Florida. A Florida beach beauty marries her dream man. The newlywed set to live happily ever after until death do they part. But what the 26-year-old beauty doesn't plan is the hitman she allegedly hires to murder her groom is a cop. That's right. The cops sting the bride on video and oh if you could hear it she breaks down in hysterical tears crying over her dead husband just hours after she herself puts those special finishing touches on his death and it's all caught on undercover surveillance video all right i'm talking about dahlia dipolito Breaking news right now, the woman who allegedly hires a hitman to kill her groom and ends up hiring an undercover cop who videos the whole thing, catches her moaning and crying, oh, my husband's dead. And they they take her in to talk to her about her husband's murder, his shooting death, and then in walks her husband. It was all a big sting. Joining me right now, Dave Max, syndicated talk show host. Dave, do you recall at her first trial, she actually told the jury, Cheryl McComb, I hope you're sitting down. For this, you may need to lay down, girl. Okay. <laughs> okay. She actually tells the jury, I didn't hire a hitman to kill my husband. That was a reality TV show script. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was, we were acting all this out in order to get a, a reality TV show. Uh-huh. Right. It's all a big audition. And her husband helped her with it. It was all a plan. I don't know why he's turning against me now. We were just auditioning for a show. But the funny thing about that, Dave Mack, is she never brought any TV producers, no contract, <laughs> nothing, no camera people, nothing. Yeah, it was, you know, I, it was shocking. It was shocking that she actually could come up with that and think that it might work. But, 
you know, there are a few things working against her, and the fact that she was 5,000% sure she wanted to take out her husband. Oh, and, yeah, that was so cool. I love yeah. that part. I played that just for the heck of it, even when I wasn't on the air. Dolly and DiPolito caught on undercover surveillance video. They're going, you sure you want to do this? She goes, I'm 1,000% sure. Oh, she's not just 100% sure, Cheryl McCollum. She's 1,000% sure she wants him dead. <laughs> I love it. But here's the good news, Daisy. She's going to be able to be on reality TV because in prison, they're going to film her 24 hours a day. So your wish is granted. <laughs> oh, okay. Now, wait a minute. Dave Mack, are you with me? I am with you. Uh, Alan Duke, the Duke, are, are you lurking around somewhere? Are I'm you here, Nancy. Okay, Alan, I have a little tidbit for you and Dave Mack, Okay. Don't marry a hooker. Okay. Can we now just tell me. can we just start on that? Okay. Well, can we go with that first? Another tip is if your bride is registered with Smith and Wesson, that's kind of a hint. No, I mean, reportedly he met her, Cheryl. Um, let me just say when he needed a air quotes date. He needed a date, let uh-huh. me just say. Now, and, and he meets Dahlia DiPolito. Now, I, I talked to her lawyer, you know, in depth. He's a good lawyer. I mean, I mean, look what he had to work with for Pete's sake. Uh, Brian Claypool, who swears that um, she was not a hooker. Okay, fine. You can just say that till you're blue in the face. But I know what those texts said. Now, his lawyer told me. That she tried to kill him before, Dave Mack. That she tried to poison him in some chai tea from Starbucks. Needless to say, I haven't had another chai tea since then. <laughs> she tried using antifreeze. But one uh, one thing to point <laughs> out, Nancy, and, and she might have been confused because she did get her real estate license. So she was able to sell property. And she might have thought of herself as property and thought that being a hooker you know, fit under the real estate license and that she wasn't breaking any law there. Could be. Yeah, see, I don't know what you're saying. I don't even know what that meant, but you and the Duke are yucking it up. Cheryl and I are like, that doesn't even make any sense, Dave Mack. <laughs> so, Dave, what actually finally convinced a jury that she did it? I mean, because there haven't there been two juries before this one? Yeah, and, um, you know, the first one actually oh, dear Lord. convicted her. Gave, you know, they were looking at 20 years. They appealed. The next one came back three to three tie. I can't even figure that one out. I mean, they've got all I can think of is she had a real close to O.J. Simpson dream team because there's no way you see this woman on tape. You hear the description. I mean, everything is there. I don't know why it took five minutes for a jury to go out and come back with anything less than guilty. I have no idea how they. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I think happened. Um, There had to be somebody on that jury that was anti-cop. And, you know, I'm pro-cop. I'm a crime victim. I brought cops and put them on the stand as witnesses. Yeah, I know there are a few bad apples. I'm no idiot. Okay, I've seen the videos. I've read the papers. And it's true. There are some, some cops that have done some very bad things. But I would say, for the most part... Police officers and law enforcement are some of the most honorable and decent people I've ever met in my life. Okay, let's put that out there. But what happened, Cheryl McCollum, is that you remember the show Cops, you know, bad boy, bad boy, what are you going to do? Remember that? And then they'll always show like some guy without a shirt on sitting on his easy chair who seems not at all surprised that cops are running through his den as he's watching TV, just sits there. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, so they were coming to film. And 
somewhere along the way, somebody said, oh, well, you know, they can use this Dahlia DiPolito case because they filmed it when they told her mm-hmm. that her husband was dead. Okay. Which I love that part. She bends over in half. Oh, my husband is dead. Okay. She really lays it on. Watch out, Meryl Streep. And if you look at this video, which I have about three or four hundred times, all the cops are just standing there, like looking at each other, going, mm hmm, mm hmm. And she's just carrying on. She's not noticing the cops are like looking at her like she's a lizard, mm-hmm. you know, that nobody wants to touch it. Okay. So, anyway, but the husband lawyer definitely told me, unless I've gone completely insane, that she tried to kill him before with some chai tea. Now, when I said I gave up chai tea, let me clarify that. I would not buy Starbucks anyway (laughs) because it costs too much. You can get a great cup of coffee, a huge one, for 99 cents at McDonald's. Okay? You don't have to stand in line. I mean, it's no drama. It's just, you know, it's a cup of coffee. But that aside, so this could maybe be her second bite of the apple when the first one didn't so what is she looking at dave mack uh right now she's looking at 16 years she's headed off to uh to women's prison now which i gotta oh wait a minute whoa wait you can fuss at me for interrupting later i forgot this the first time she got house arrest she stayed at home and let her mommy take care of her and she was allowed to go to church in her lawyer's house i mean her lawyer's office yeah she got pregnant what happened? Well, she's only supposed to. I don't think it happened at, sh- at church, Dave. No, Mack. but might have been the attorney. We might be looking at Todd Mom Jr. getting you know a deal going on with the lawyer. I don't know. I saw that. Please she- don't blame the lawyers. I I am I'm disavowing anything Dave Mack just said. Okay, I don't know about okay. that. She's that is hooker. not true as I, far as I'm concerned. I but somebody. Were, I just well, thought hookers were Cheryl. Cheryl, you know what happened. She got pregnant so she could use the baby as a defense at trial. I'm oh, a new mom. No question she, about so, it. so the jury would find, don't you know, her mother probably came in court holding that baby. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. They're not going to send me to prison if I'm an infant's mama or if I'm pregnant at the time. No question. This woman has used every theatric at her disposal, including her own child. But, Nancy, let me just say one other thing, because this, I think, is really relevant. When they watch the video, there's no tears. She's screaming and wailing and carrying on, but there's no tears. And you know that back in the day, you and I would have killed (laughs) for a case like this to wait until that man walks in the room. Oh, I love that part. Okay, listen to this, guys. I'm Sergeant Ramsey. I'm, I'm the one that called you. Thank you for coming. I'm sorry to call you. Listen, we had a report of a disturbance at your house, and there were shots fired. Is your husband Michael? Okay, I'm sorry to tell you, ma'am. He's been killed. (laughs) He's been killed, man. I'm sorry. No, no, he's not. Listen, no, no. Try to calm down. No, Listen, no, right now what no, we do, we need to get you to the station. No, we need to get you to our police station. We, I can't let you stand, man. We have to do our job. If you want us to find his killer, okay, we need you to calm down. I'm going to need you to go with these detectives, okay? Does he have enemies? Is there anyone that would want to hurt him? Okay, who would want to hurt him? Witnesses said they saw a black male running from me. I can't let you see him, ma'am. Ma'am, I cannot do this right now. Ma'am, I can't do it. Detective Yopi, I need you. I need you to take her to the station. 
I can't. Man, go with these detectives. If you want to help your husband, okay? If you want to help your husband, you need to go to the station with these gentlemen and tell us everything you know about who he knows, who he's connected to. Don't worry, we've already taken care of dogs with animal control for right now. Everything's under control. And we'll take care of everything else, okay? Thank you, guys. Guys, I wish you could see the photo I'm looking at right now. I've got a great photo on CrimeOnline.com. And there's another photo I'm looking at. It's on Daily Mail. And she is giving the judge a look like, you know, <laughs> like she would like to kill the judge. I love this photo. All right. So where does that leave us in the world? Dahlia DiPolito is finally going to jail. You know what's going to happen, Dave Mack? She's going to appeal. <laughs> They're going to find something wrong with it, and we'll be doing it for a fourth time. Will you join me when that happens, please? I have been joining you on this case since you first started making commentary about it and in studying for this today and looking at the, how many times you've had to deal with it. Nancy, it's like every other day there's another crazy story from Dahlia DiPolito. There's no telling what's coming up next. Well, the baby took the cake. I mean, the woman's on house arrest. She go to church in her lawyer's office and she gets pregnant um i i was saying if she did not get convicted on the third try i would just fling myself out of a window or or, or feed myself a chai tea with point let her make me a chai tea okay guys nancy grace crime stories signing off goodbye friend I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. Amazing. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, your exercise, and medication decisions. All those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and a lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.